Welcome back to another episode of the Agency Hacker Podcast. I'm Lance Johnson, one of the coaches here, and I'm here today with Dan West, a friend and fellow St. Paul, or I guess you're in Minneapolis, but Minnesota resident. Uh, Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Lance. Now, you're the CEO and founder of Blue Key Media. You've got, for any of our folks watching on YouTube or that have uh, a view of his background, pretty phenomenal on-brand wall behind him. Yes, this is... We, we made sure that we painted it, uh, Blue Key Media colors. <laughs> nice. And what exactly does Blue Key Media do? Yeah, Blue Key Media is a video production company uh, where we help... Uh, Nonprofits and manufacturing and industrial companies create uh, better video. And so on the manufacturing and industrial side, we're helping uh, companies create brand videos, testimonial videos, recruitment videos, content that they use online uh, to better promote their brand, uh, to better sell themselves, better communicate their message. Then on the nonprofit side, we work with um, a lot of local organizations in the Twin Cities area to help them fundraise, um, to better tell their story and connect with their audiences on a deeper, more meaningful level. Um, and and uh, a lot of the videos we, we do are played at their annual galas or maybe some sort of a fundraiser breakfast, um, things that um, are really trying to compel the audience to, to donate at you know, right after the video. So um, that's a lot of what we do. We're a four person, well, technically, I guess five people. We've got four full-time people, including myself. And uh, and we've got one part-time uh, intern who's been with us um, during the fall and will likely continue with us through the, the springtime as well. So I feel like when you get an intern, you know, you made it. <laughs> You're like, Well, I will tell you when I was just by myself, uh, I had an intern and it was the most frustrating thing ever. And I was like, <laughs> I do not like this. Uh, so that was my first time trying to like get into the whole managing side of things. And I was not cut out for it as a, I think I was uh, maybe 19 or 20 years old. when I hired an, an intern and then I took a break. <laughs> you have a 23 year old intern working for the 19 year old. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. So you do video production first off. Hat tip to another mm -hmm. video production studio. It's great yes. to have great to have another one on the show. Um, when you talk about video production for the more commercial clients, then what kind of stuff are you doing? You said manufacturers in particular, but like, what does that mean? Is this corporate documentaries? Is this like, hey, we're what? What does that mean? Help us yeah. Out so uh, right now, in particular, we're creating a lot of recruitment videos, uh, oh, yeah. especially in the manufacturing space. Um, finding qualified talent is really tough and uh, it's, it, you know, a labor shortage right now. And so people are leaning heavily on video to um, help cut through the, the noise of, of competing job listings. So uh, that, that's one thing in particular. We do a lot of brand videos um, that highlight a company either like as an overview or promoting uh, specific capabilities or services. Um, we'll do testimonial videos um, that highlight success stories or their, their customers and um, the impact that, um, you know, the company we're working for has had in, in the customer's life. Um, so that's a lot of what we're, we're doing. Uh, and we've done some 
you know, HR internal onboarding videos to help elevate that whole experience. Um, but for the most part, it's recruiting and then these online brand videos that are being used in the sales process. Got it. Nice, neat. And you're taking a step back. How'd you start Blue Key? What's the origin story? Yeah. Um, it took a little bit to get to Blue Key. I, I started creating video uh, when I was just a young kid. I grew up around it because my, my dad was really into uh, photos and video. So I remember as like a young child sitting next to my dad, watching him learn Final Cut 7 when it first came out oh, wow. um, and kind of like watching him pour over this thick manual uh, and then trying to do it. And then I would just take his little DV cam and, and use iMovie and try and put some stuff together. Um, and my grandpa also uh, created a documentary in his lifetime too. So it's wow. kind of, it's running the family, um, this tie into film and tech. Uh, and so in high school is when I started really getting serious about it. Uh, my junior year is when I, got hired to do the, my first wedding. Um, and I started down the the wedding path as a lot of video people do, because it's just an easy way to cut your teeth. Yeah. Um, and so really grew my brand on the wedding side of things. And it was Dan West Films. Uh, and then when I was in college, I went to school for marketing and business. Um, but I always knew I wanted to do video production and, and run my own business. So. Um, and when I was in school, I decided to try and separate myself from weddings and separate myself from the brand. Mm. So I didn't want it named after myself so I could build a team. Um, and it didn't just feel like it was Dan West. Uh, and so I split Dan West Films into Blue Key Media. Dan West Films continued doing the wedding side because it was more important to have that personal connection. And then Blue Key Media was uh, the commercial side of things. And so... Through school, I was continuing to do video on the side as I was doing other jobs and internships. And then once I graduated, um, I jumped into it full time um, and brought on um, a business partner at the time. Uh, and we grew grew it to uh, bring on another person. So in 2020, it was myself, uh, my former business partner, and um, we, we brought on our editor. And then COVID happened and oh, shut man. everything down. Um, and then my business partner and I ended up parting ways and decided to pursue different paths um, and just different directions. And so then um, later uh, in 2020, once people started to figure out what was going on and that the world wasn't going to end, um, <laughs> business started to come back in and people are like video is the only way that we're going to be able to have mm. our annual galas and fundraise money for nonprofits or um, do sales because every single conference is shut down um, and we can't get into the door with clients. And so um, things have just boomed since 2020. And um, that's where we saw our growth uh, the most from 2020 up until now and went from uh, three people at the beginning of of 2020, and now we're at four people, five people, I guess, four full time, one half time. So, yeah, with very different people on the yeah. bus, right? Where it was like pretty big changes. Yeah, yeah, yep. Wow, that's a big reinvention, and I feel like it's a good reminder that 2020 there was 
obviously a major negative, but you were still able to grow. And with the questions around recession, like, will there be a recession? It would be interesting to listen to this episode in six months, a year and see like, where do things stand? But there are maybe not everyone benefits in a recession, but there are people that still grow and there are people that still do well. Um, just 100%. like COVID, it was really bad for some people, but I was, I had, uh, oh goodness, Jessica from restaurant marketing on the show. And she was like, man, COVID helped launch. She'd been in business for a while, but COVID just like restaurants needed online marketing in a whole yeah. new way. And so it was just like a springboard to get in the restaurant space. So yeah, that's neat that you guys were able to make something good come out of a tough situation. I, I, I think. Um recessions and big events like COVID and things of, of that sort. Um, if, if you're well positioned, if you are focused in on a niche and you understand the needs of your clients, they can be great opportunities. Um, there's, there's always a uh, great opportunity in, in tough times. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, we ended up finding that during COVID and, and hopefully we find that as well if, if we do enter into more of a recessionary period uh, with the economy, um, with the clients that we have and the, the market we're now trying to lean into. Yeah. Yeah. The upside is hiring gets easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hiring has definitely been challenging. <laughs> yeah. Hiring right now has been definitely difficult. So with your clients, I know you've worked with some big folks. Like, I, I, Remind me, you... I, I don't know if you're under an NDA or if you can share some of them, but there it's always interesting to hear how folks got into some of these big accounts. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess on the corporate side of things, um, we do a little bit of work with cargo. Um, and I say a little bit, we, we've done one project and, and the door is open yeah. to do more. Uh, yeah. And that one just came through as with a lot of these, um, through word of mouth, then, um, I created, so my friend's parents, um, own a computer manufacturing company in Bloomington. Uh, we created a video for their company and then, um, they were super impressed and their neighbor just so happened to be the creative director at Cargill. And so they were out chatting during the summertime, uh, last year and, um, and I guess they were new to the neighborhood. And, and so, uh, you know, this, this friend's parent of mine was like, Hey, if you ever need video, you know, this, uh, our daughter's friend is uh, really good. He did video for us. And so, um, there was a connection there. We got introduced and then it took about a year before anything actually happened, uh, with me being very persistent and following <laughs> yeah. up probably like eight times, uh, thinking like this this person probably has blocked me by now. Uh, and then eventually I just got a call out of the blue and they're like, Oh, Hey, uh, really sorry. We haven't connected sooner. Um, I've just been busy, but I think I have a project we can work on now. Um, and so we were able to do something, uh, this summer. Uh, and, and that's just been, I mean, for anyone who is doing sales, uh, it is just a, a long journey uh, and persistency is key because, and, and understanding that um, you're not bothering unless they tell you no or give you some yeah. indication. Usually people are just busy uh, and yeah. you're not a priority, even though it's a priority for you at the time because you're wanting sales. Um, 
So, and then, you know, we've done some big uh, companies on, or organizations on the nonprofit side. We were, we've done stuff with the Minnesota Zoo, with the Guthrie, um, with, we do a, a lot of work with the University of Minnesota Foundation. Um, and a lot of that is just through networking and some of it was cold outreach and just serendipity of, I reached out to one person and their spouse just so happened to be a big event planner in the nonprofit space. And so we got connected, did a project and then, you know, there's, there's been a great partnership there. So it is just a matter of networking and connecting and building um, those relationships. And uh, it, that's been my journey for the last, I guess, I don't know, eight years that I've been really trying to build this thing is, is just building connections and, um, and they just come up, uh, you know, over time, it might take six years, it might take three months, but, um, it is, it's just about nurturing those relationships or creating those connections. It is so interesting to see how, uh, I don't know, how we like think linearly and there's like this path where it's like you send this many emails and I get this many appointments and I close this many sales in this time period. And there's something to it, right? I feel like mm-hmm. it's kind of the the table stakes for just you gotta have sales coming in one way or another. But it also feels like there's a lot that comes in and the like long tail, really illegible. Like you can't make contacting people that have spouses that are major event planners part of your strategy right but or maybe you can maybe that's the next like new (laughs) new hot strategy is like contact the spouse get the business but it's a it's just a really interesting thing how some big deals can come from total serendipity like total grace and it just shows up Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's people ask me that are getting started a lot of like Oh, what you like? What am I supposed to do? And obviously, like you had said, there there are some clear things that you do, but some of it's just time. Uh, yeah. And the marketing space is extremely relational. When you've got a million agencies you can work with, um, yeah. and everyone's producing good work, um, it usually comes down to that relationship aspect. Um, and it's it, that whole saying of it, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know is is so, so true. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think the only potential shortcut I've seen is if you have a niche that gives you some like positional authority of like, uh, I'm, I'm sure if you walk into someone and they say, we need a recruitment video for our manufacturing component. And you're like, sweet, I have the case study for you. Right. Yeah. And it may be like the video. I'm sure it's a great video, but uh, I feel like for us with whiteboard videos, sometimes it's not that nobody else could make the whiteboard video, but we just have a really good portfolio of whiteboard videos. So there's a quick transference of confidence. Like, ah, yeah, we're a medical device company. You did this for this other medical device company. Like we should work together. And it's, yeah. And it's just like way easier because we're in a really specific niche. Like, like, yeah, this is what we do. We do whiteboard videos. Yeah, um, 100. I, I agree 100%. And that's been, and when I talk to a lot of people, niching down is is a struggle for many. Uh, you're just yeah. getting started. You're trying to accept all the work. Uh, it feels like, well, if I, you know, start rejecting things or, or am not keeping myself open to all these other opportunities, then I'm turning work down, um, which 
you know, those who have niched down know that that is not a not the truth um where you still can take other work and and people still come to you even if you do have a niche but it becomes so much more <laughs> easy to market uh, and sell yourself and so that's our new journey that we started going down this year is focusing on a niche focusing on industrial manufacturing and um, mm. and that is uh so far when we do interact with new manufacturing industrial clients that reach out it has become significantly more easy to sell to them because hey like you said we've got a great case study we have these different examples um they can gain that confidence right away coming to your site knowing like oh you know let's go with these people because they've worked in that space they understand um they know what a manufacturing floor is going to be like and um the nuances of that so we this year uh have won a lot of work because of that niching down um and now it's just a matter of me trying to pour fuel on that fire with uh, the sales side of things and um, trying to kick up my sales. And that's um, one of my biggest rocks right now is is trying to, um, you know, ramp up sales and scale that area when I'm st stuck in the weeds uh, with the video work and everything else. So, yeah, that's a it's a hard thing because I feel like growing a small company is is just triage where you're like okay everybody's dying but some people are dying faster than others and some people this is like a terrible not not okay comparison but some people are like more important than others so even if they're dying a little slower like we should treat them first because they're really important and it's a hard thing because you just like somebody's got to do sales somebody's got to make sure the client gets good work and it's hard to get out of those things yeah yeah I feel like a, and this could be a controversial idea, but I feel like a business is an agency rather than a consultancy, like a one person consultant kind of thing to the degree the founder cannot be involved, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're like, you're like, if you have a founder that has to be involved in the most important thing or in a, like a lot of things, then it's, a, it's getting there. It's on its way. But uh, it's not until like the founder can like step back and be like, okay, cool. This thing is a little bit of a system that I think it crosses into like, and I mean, it could be a huge revenue producer, right? Like you could have a $20 million, $50 million agency that the CEO closes all big sales and they mm -hmm. are agency of record and they're flying out to see clients. So it's, it's not a revenue number, but more like I just... Uh, and there's preferences too. Some CEOs love doing it, but that's cool to see yeah. that you've already considered like, Hey, how do I ramp this thing up when I'm, I'm in a couple of these really important pieces. Yeah. I, I know that's one of your questions. Uh, you said that we might talk about of your biggest rock to move on your journey to yeah. seven figures. And, um, that, that is exactly it of remove trying to remove myself, uh, from, parts of the business that I'm just slowing down so that it is moving towards the agency versus the consultancy. Cause you start out as yourself and everyone's hiring yeah. you for you. Yeah. Um, and uh, the more you grow, um, the less you can be involved. Uh, there's a certain threshold where you just, you physically don't have the time or the capacity yeah. to be involved in everything. Yeah. And so um, we just had a meeting with a, EOS implementer last week um, doing an initial meeting 
And that was kind of one of the, the things we focused on initially was creating the accountability chart uh, yeah. and looking at the, the key roles in the business um, and then putting our names in there. And uh, sure enough, my name was in like, you know, two thirds of the buckets uh, and everyone was like, yeah, you know, the the biggest bottleneck is Dan because I'm, mm. you know, creative directing all the projects. I'm on set for all the projects. I have to give the green light for all the video edits. Um, I'm doing all the sales. I'm, you know, so um, that is something that we are working through. And um, that's, that is my biggest roadblock uh, that I have to, to remove to, to really scale this is okay. Making sure everybody on the team has, um, knows their seat and what they're taking on uh, and what they're responsible for. Um, and then empowering and training up uh, employees to, you know, remove hats that I'm currently wearing. Uh, but, you know, there are people on our team that have the, the capacity and, and the know-how um, to, to be able to do that. It's just a, a matter of training them, transitioning them, creating the processes um, yeah. to, to run with it. So, um, and one of my big challenges is sales. And you know, we've ran into it this, this summer of like, we were super busy in the beginning of the year. And I was like, holy cow, we had a record quarter. Um, if things stay like this, you know, we're going to smash our revenue goal. Uh, and then I was so involved with everything. I wasn't doing sales, the pipeline dried up. And so we got yeah. to summer and I was like, oh, uh, I better do some sales. <laughs> uh, and, and so, and it was just because I was so caught up in the day to day that I wasn't able to spend time working on the business. Uh, yeah. So tied up in it. No, and, it, and it's a real thing. Even if you do sales full time, it's, it's like hard to keep people at every stage of the pipeline. And I don't know what your like average sales cycle is, but I feel like a lot of times it's in the, order of months right like three yeah. to 18 months or something yeah for us and yeah, it's very very rare that uh things are like one month yeah yeah e- even if the client is like we want to move fast on this uh it somehow it ends up being a three-month sales cycle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i feel like just getting through legal is like a month right so like from <laughs> yeah. the yes to the day that the agreement signed is like well that's that's probably three months, right? <laughs> and then the PO getting there, you're like, yeah, it's another 30 days. And yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a little while. So how are you tackling it? Like you mentioned EOS and who's your EOS implementer, by the way? Yeah, Matt Goldberg is uh, who's been helping us. Um, and he's, I, I don't know if I would necessarily call him our implementer because right now we're working on a trade of service where I'm doing some video work for him and nice. and he's uh, he's doing a little bit of consulting. So we're just starting to dip our toes. Um, but the first session was great uh, and, and definitely eye-opening for the team and just getting the whole team on the same page because I've read EOS uh, and talked about it high level, but like I'm not a I'm, I'm not an expert on it. I don't explain it very well. And so like, yeah. having him there with the whole team going through it, everyone was like, Oh yeah, this makes a lot of sense. This is good. <laughs> um, so some of it is that and getting aligned uh, and, and, and that's going to be a work in progress, uh, setting up those, that clear structure and making sure everyone has their seats and, and creating better processes so that, um, 
as we bring on more people, training is easier and we maintain that high level of, of quality. Um, and then, um, yeah, another way I guess I've been tackling trying to overcome these problems is I, I just attended uh, a summit. I, I, I guess it would be like a conference uh, where there is a handful of other, there's about 30 video production company owners uh, that got together for a few days. And uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, was it we talked EO or what was the summit? Um, so it's it's uh, a guy named Ryan Coral, and he's got a podcast called uh, Studio Sherpas, oh, and it's it's, cool. a, it's a podcast for video production owners. Um, oh, that's you should cool. you should interview him because he's he's got a great thing going. Uh, oh my goodness, that's podcast. really neat. Um, but he hosted the event, and he's kind of built a whole community. Um, uh, of video production people. And so uh, we went out to Michigan and spent four days there uh, building community, listening to um, other video production owners that are doing big things that have been around for a long time and um, sharing ideas. It was, it was great. So um, just trying to learn from other people uh, and get ideas, trying to improve our processes and trying to strengthen our organization internally, I guess, is, is how we're, we're trying to tackle some of those things. Um, yeah. So what's the first hat, right? If you're going through your accountability chart, there's, there's always, I feel like we can justify a lot of things. Sometimes we look at the thing we hate the most. We're like, I hate this. I'm going to have somebody do this, which like, it's a totally reasonable way to do it. And other times it's like, this is the most important thing. I'm going to get somebody to do this or I'm going to part-time it out. Like, how are you approaching those Dan hats in the accountability chart? Yeah. Um, well, it's still very early as we had this meeting uh, last Tuesday and we've been yeah. on shoots almost every day. So I haven't had a whole lot of time to like take it all in and analyze it. But, um, you know, there are key areas that um, that there are people on our teams. So we have a, a producer, project manager, um, yeah. a post-production manager slash lead editor, and then someone who... Um, is kind of flexing between production and post. And he, he's kind of a hat, um, someone who wears a lot of different hats and is a Swiss Army knife. But the hope is that he is able to um, creative direct a project from start to finish and kind of lead it. Nice. Uh, and so um, that is one of the, the first things of, okay, what's my biggest time suck? It's being on set. So how do we mm. get rid of that? Um, or how do I start to transition and pass that off um, so that there's someone else who is, you know, director of productions and, and that naturally falls in with this person who is currently flexing between all these different spaces. So um, now it's about figuring out a, a transition plan, a, a, a path to train him. Uh, and, you know, what are the, the milestones, the core competencies, you know, what, what do we have to do over the next year or two? Um, to empower him to be this director of productions to where I can be fully removed. Um, and then looking at some of these other areas uh, and what am I currently doing um, that I can start offloading some of the tech, for example, sales. I, I don't think I'll give up sales at least yet, uh, but there are certain parts of the sales process that um our soul sucking, like prospecting uh, <laughs> and like the whole lead generation part that 
I need to start thinking through, okay, how do I systematize or outsource these elements to where I can spend my time uh, in the most valuable parts, which is the actual conversations, the sales cycle of getting them on the phone or like, you know, on the phone, talking through, uh, brainstorming and, you know, figuring out their problems and how we can find a solution for it. So, um, I'm currently trying to figure out the, the front end of getting people to our website, reaching out, uh, and, and systemizing and automating some of that, um, so I don't have to necessarily be fully removed, but at least handing, uh, bless you, uh, handing big uh, components off. Um, and so that, that that's kind of the other thing is is looking at these buckets and some things are, I might be owning it, but uh, they are low time commitment or if it is a big time commitment, how do we take some of that out? And then the other areas, um, you know, who naturally fits in there and then how do we train them up? Yeah, that makes sense. I can honestly say I've never done heroin, but it feels, I imagine that doing sales is a little bit like heroin and that like, even if you don't want to do it and it doesn't feel good anymore, it's just like very difficult to stop, right? Because you're like, ah, oh, I, like, I need this to survive. In the case of sales, it's true, right? If you don't do sales, you got problems. But it's a really difficult thing for, I think founders, like if they can get themselves out of sales, have made one of the hardest transitions because it's so, it's so hard. Like I feel like a video editor or anybody creative, you can have them create a work and you see really quickly, like they did their thing, they didn't do their thing. And mm-hmm. it's got a short feedback loop. And then with the, you know, even the prospecting agency, you're like, okay, well, you had a month, you got me zero, you didn't do your thing and cool moving on like this is this is really easy because there's a relatively short cycle time but mm-hmm. if you have sales with the long sales cycle like you have or like we have then it's just it's a bear man it's really really difficult to, yeah to like hire and take the risk on it so i can appreciate i think since i started with having a salesperson i was in school full time so i was like i need somebody to do sales it was really helpful because I just never had the option of doing it myself, but it's hard to get out of once you're there. Like, yeah. I, I think, uh, and it is, uh, you know, how you start your business is, is really uh, telling of the hardest parts to get out. So I started where you started, you were in school. So you just had someone to, to, to do the sales. Um, I started doing, you know, I was the creator and I was that craftsman and so yeah. it's been hardest for me to pull myself out of the craft of mm. you know, being on set and leading the productions and also leading the creative direction uh, and um, from a high level at the very beginning um, and those those two things take up a lot of time um, yeah. and are I'm, I'm just very particular so it took me a long time to hand <laughs> off editing i was able to do that uh so nice. i believe in myself that i'll be able to eventually hand off production and uh split the load between you know creative direction uh because I, I still love it i think i add a lot of value there so i'm still in, i'm going to be involved no matter what at some level but um i obviously need to uh have a better balance of as the business grows and we're we have to be more involved in managing it and um, working on it rather than doing the day-to-day stuff. Um, so, 
Well, the good news, I feel like being an owner is you know, you get to decide where you sit on the accountability chart. Mm-hmm. And like you always have a special like owner block that's kind of off to the side. But then there's the like CEO or if you want to call it, you know, visionary or integrator, whatever you want to call it. Like the org chart, I found that uh, I actually met a guy who runs a financial publishing company. Or actually, he doesn't run it. He owns it along with some other investors. And he actually works as a writer in the financial publishing company. He doesn't do like he, he's just another cog in the machine. He just happens to own a good chunk of the machine <laughs> because what he really likes to do is write. He likes to give pessimistic outlooks on, you know, the economy and why everything, <laughs> I think for the past 10 years has probably been a, a similar thing like the, you know, ever bears. So <laughs> they, I, I feel like sometimes it can be hard as an agency owner because you get pitched on this right way. And it's actually a struggle with coaching because you look at people's businesses and their personality and you go, well, there's not, there's not a right way. There's like maybe a, a way that would be right for you, but mm-hmm. the right thing can be so different. Yeah. I, I can't draw or make videos, so I'd be a bad creative director for a hand-drawn <laughs> video company, but you really love the creative side. So maybe, maybe that's where you'll end up, right? You can have a CEO and be the creative director. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing is uh, that, the, the visionary seed in our org chart or our accountability chart is currently a question mark because <laughs> I think we all agree that I'm a, a very like linear, uh, I forget, what, what's the role uh, underneath? I think it's visionary. integrator. Is it integrator? Yeah, it's integrator. Yeah, I, I definitely play more of that role of the integrator and then I try and step up to the visionary because <laughs> I like being in it and creating the processes and tying it all together so hey you know it's i think that it's a good if you had to pick one i think the integrator has a lot higher chance of success than a visionary (laughs) a lot of times so you're you're picked well Uh, no that's cool well you know wrapping up you mentioned a couple resources which i i pulled up the grow your video business podcast which is great title Hat tip to Ryan Coral because very clear. I like it. Um, yes. What what other resources do you go to to try to learn more about how to grow your agency? How do you approach this problem? Because there's just so many options. Yeah. So um, Chris Doe, uh, uh, he runs the Future Podcast, um, and I can't remember the agency that he owns, but um, the stuff that they're doing on the Future is like gold for any agency owner. Um, and I've learned so much from him. So he's got tons of great podcasts, tons of great YouTube videos. I mean, he's just pumping content out like crazy. So if, if you're a video or if you're an agency person, um, he, he is by far the number one person I recommend. Uh, and then, um, you know, the, we were talking about this before we started, but uh, the the Win Without Pitching Manifesto by Blair Ends was definitely um, a great book to just understand your value uh, that you you have and how in the agency world um, we're somehow expected to give away a significant amount of value before yeah. the engagement ever starts. Yeah. Uh, and so trying to shift away from that uh, and be... Uh, and, and value that, you know, the whole thing is win without pitching. So never pitch again in your life um, mm. and make sure you're getting paid for when you're pitching ideas. Um, 
and it's easier said than done, but it's, it's a great resource. And um, he has a podcast too, that uh, has a lot of good info for agency owners and, and just, you know, thinking in, in a different way of, of approaching uh, pricing and um, valuing your work. So um, those two things. And then um, I, I'm a part of uh, EOA or entrepreneurs organization EO, which is how you and I met. Yeah. Um, and so that's been great just from a, a business perspective of having, uh, you know, other peers who are, are doing business and our owners and, um, going through it together and, and helping each other overcome challenges. So, um, those are, those are big resources that I've used. No, it's really helpful stuff. And yeah, the closing part is just what, what advice would you offer to other agency owners? Yeah, how you've come a long way. You've been at it for a good while, and so avoided death and uh, <laughs> kept the agency running in a really tough time. What are some tips that you would leave? Uh, good question. Uh, I would say make sure that you're keeping the the sales pipeline going even if <laughs> even if work is busy and you're working on it a lot uh you got to keep feeding that pipeline because if you don't it'll dry up um and then you're in a problem um i would also say read the book profit first because oh, yeah. it's a fantastic way to understand the money that's in your business at a quick glance especially uh for those who aren't money uh, you know, the money isn't necessary or finance isn't their strong suit. Uh, maybe it's confusing. It, it lays out such a simple way to, to know the health of your business and to really design a business that, um, is, is profitable. And, um, my other thing would be find a niche as soon as possible. <laughs> uh, and the sooner, the better, if you can, uh, go into a niche right away, you're going to, have a lot more success and uh, cold outreach and sales is going to be a lot easier. You're yeah. going to be able to speak to your customer uh, a lot more uh, effectively and can speak to their pain points. If you do any sort of marketing outreach, everything is going to be so much more targeted. Um, it'll be so much easier to do because when, when we were first getting started, that was like, I just didn't do anything because I was like, well, you know, how do I position myself? I, yeah. I am just another video company. And yeah, there's a lot of other people who like do better work than me. So uh, yeah, how do I say that I'm, I'm good and I'm different when I'm not really? Uh, and so that was uh, something I wish I would have done sooner. Uh, and I think anyone who has niched down uh, can, can testify to the power of it. So, yeah, it's like, you don't have to be better. You just have, and, and not even necessarily different, right? Because niching down yeah. doesn't make you different per se, but I feel like it, it just makes it so you know more like the value you bring is, you know, a lot more about a specific problem. So it's hard for a general agency to say like, yeah, we can do industrial videos like blue key or, a big old agency, they might be able to get a whiteboard video artist, but it's like, we've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> like we've learned a lot of things that don't work. And yeah, so I think that's wisdom to just think like, how can I at least conquer this little part? 
And if you conquer the yeah. little part, then there's no reason why you can't expand later. Yeah. Yeah. And and like you said, there, there might not be a whole lot of differences, but you can speak to your customers' pain points better. Yeah. And you can communicate with them uh, better than those who aren't niched down. Even if your work is on par, yeah. the way you communicate and the way that you're able to um, address your client's needs will will end up being better because it's more focused. It's not yeah. as, it, it can cut through the noise and it can address their pain points a lot quicker. Yeah. That, to paraphrase Rory Sutherland from Ogilvy, like, he talks about how like psychological benefits are benefits. They might not yeah. feel like benefits to the engineering type or like the integrator types often struggle with this because they're like, this is, this is nothing tangible. You're like, yeah, but but it still matters because their life is easier. And so it's worth paying for. And it's just quicker for them. They like don't have to explain their industry every time because mm-hmm. you get a little bit more of it. Um, it's not unlearnable for other people, but you're just already in it. So. Yeah, 100%. Well, Dan, if people want to find out more about you or Blue Key, then uh, you probably have some tr- very tricky to figure out URL or something that people could go to. But what's the <laughs> best way to contact you? Uh, well, you could visit our site at bluekeymedia.com or follow us on Instagram uh, at bluekeymedia. Um, and our our email is the same, you know, hello at bluekeymedia.com <laughs> if, if you want to reach out and, and say hello. So just search Blue Key Media and you'll find us. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, Dan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It was a joy to host you. Maybe next time we'll do it in person. I'll come to the beautiful Blue Studio and we can run this bad boy. But yes, thanks for coming yes. on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Lance. It's been a pleasure. All right. And if there are any other agency owners right there out there um, that would be interested in coming on, this season is about traction agencies. I'd say like, you're over a hundred thousand you're under a million and you're like we've got traction but we're trying to solve these problems it's really fun to dive in and say hmm what's the problem that this agency is working on so go to agencyhacker.io and there's a come on the show link or if you know somebody that should be on the podcast send them over um it would be great to have them and we just want to get more inter- or agency owner stories out there so thanks again for coming on and uh this is lance johnson from agency hacker <laughs>